Welcome to the Riverview Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Today we welcome back our Senior Minister, Tim Healy. But before we get into that, please take a second to subscribe to our podcast. Here's today's message from Tim Healy. All right, well, Riverview family, it's so good to be together again. And uh, I want to say welcome wherever you're joining us from in the world. Uh, So good to have you tuning in. I hope you're well. And uh, if you're watching this right now with friends or maybe family members or maybe a connect group, how about you take 10 or 15 seconds, turn around to the people in the room and say, hey, I love you. So glad we're doing this together. Glad you're in my life. I appreciate you. You're a gift, right? We don't do this enough for each other. And uh, if you're sitting there, maybe watching alone, how about you take 10 or 15 seconds to just encourage yourself and uh, affirm yourself and appreciate yourself because you are your own best friend. And uh, there's really nobody on earth that you're going to spend more time with than yourself. Uh, So it's a good thing to encourage and affirm and appreciate yourself. You're worthy of it. Amen. Well, we're in our uh, third week of our current teaching series called Here I Am. And we're talking about the wonderful person of God, the Holy Spirit. And we're simply asking the question, what does it mean or what does it look like to live a life uh, every day positioned and postured for dependency on the Holy Spirit and intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And uh, last week, Ryan Gagler did an absolutely outstanding job teaching us about the truth that we as followers of Jesus are what the Bible calls living stones and that together we make up the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the habitation of God in the Spirit, the Bible says. And as he so eloquently said, the presence and the power and the purposes of God used to be confined to a special place, but they are now to be found in a special people. I love that. That is absolutely brilliant. And congratulations, you are that people, right? If you love Jesus, if you've submitted your life to His Lordship, if you're committed to serving Him and following Him, you have received the wonderful gift of His Holy Spirit and He is in you and He is with you and will be always. Uh, No longer do we need to go to a particular land or to a particular city or to a particular location or occupy a particular building in order to experience the presence and the power of God. His presence is with us. His power is in us and always will be the case. And thank God for that. And of course, you know, for the, for the very first followers of Jesus, uh, thinking of the Spirit of God and the temple of God and the presence of God in that way was quite a radical departure from what they were used to. As Jewish believers in God, they had grown up all their lives associating the presence of God and the power of God with the land of Israel and the temple, the physical temple, which literally stood right in the middle of Jerusalem and was the centre of their national and religious life. And so for as long as they could remember, you know, the invitation of God's people to the surrounding nations of the world was essentially come and see. Right? Come and see the land of Israel. Come and see Jerusalem. Come and see the temple. Come and see the providence of God and the favour of God and the blessing of God and the prosperity of God. And of course, people did. People came from all over the world, from various parts of the region, kings, rulers, and they came to see God's favour on the nation of Israel. And in one famous you know, episode in, uh, in the Old Testament during the reign of King Solomon, the Bible says the Queen of Sheba came to see the majesty and the glory of the temple of God. And it was literally breathtaking. It took her breath away. And so uh, for the disciples, their, their understanding as the people of God was, well, we invite the nations to come and see. And then, of course, along came Jesus in the New Testament and He flipped the whole thing on its head and He said to His disciples, guys, God is about to do a new thing. 
He is about to pour out His Holy Spirit in an unprecedented fashion, in a way He has never done so before. The prophets said it was coming. The moment is now. And the Spirit of God is going to be available to every man, every woman, young, old. It's not going to be, you know, for the priests and the prophets and the kings. It's going to be available to everybody. And, uh, and it's coming, right? And He said that, you know, the, the, the days of come and see are over. This physical temple that you see standing before your eyes is going to be destroyed. It's now time to go and be, all right? And he said, so I'm putting my spirit in you. I'm putting my power in you. I'm putting my presence in you so that you can go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Go and be my people, be my body, be my hands, be my feet, be my voice, be my ambassadors, be my representatives, be my witnesses, go and be. Those three words capture the essence of Jesus' vision for us as His followers, His vision and His heart's desire for the church that we would go into all the world and be. And so He's put His presence in us, He's put His power in us so that we can do exactly that. So the temple is no longer a building, it's a body. It's the many-membered, multicultural, multinational, multilinguistic, multigenerational body of believers, the community of faith called the church. And the reason why God has, you know, decentralized the temple and sent us out into the world is precisely so that we can be what He has called us to be. Amen. Amen. Now, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I were driving in to uh, church uh, during the week and uh, we stopped off at a cafe to buy coffee on our way in, as is our custom. And uh, we were standing in the cafe waiting for our orders to be filled and a guy came into the cafe and he was wearing a T-shirt, like, uh, like a sleeveless vest, and he had the words kind of blazoned across his chest, sun's out, guns out. All right, I think I've seen Bo Spencer in one of those. Might have been Aaron Stacy, but right. Sun's out, guns out. The only problem is this guy was about 65 years old and he had a beer belly that looked like a full-term pregnancy and he had no guns, all right? I'm talking maybe water pistols, but no guns. And uh, we looked at this guy, had a bit of a laugh and I thought to myself, bro, that's false advertising. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to wear a shirt like that, you have to at least make sure that what's in the shirt matches what's on the shirt, right? Get what I'm saying? And I think the challenge for us as believers is the same. I think if we're going to go into the world and be who God has called us to be, we need to ensure that what's in the shirt matches what's on the shirt. That, that what's in our lives matches what's on our lips. And the good news is a large part of why the Holy Spirit was given to us, poured out on us and poured out in us is so that that can become a reality. So that the, the reality of who we are matches what we proclaim and what it is that God has called us to be. So if God has sent us in the world to be, the question is, what exactly does He want us to be? And what is it that the Holy Spirit enables us to be? And I could probably give you 27 answers to that particular question. But tonight, there are just a few that I want to share with you. And, uh, and they really are applicable to all of us. And the few that I want to share with you in the time that we have together are these. Firstly, I believe that God wants to send us out to go and be bold. And the Holy Spirit empowers us and enables us to be bold. And by bold, I mean confident and courageous and obedient. Um, I remember when I first became a follower of Jesus, made a decision for myself to you know, fully submit my life to His Lordship and to, and to give all that I am and all that I have to, to serving and loving Him. Um, I was in my last year of high school. And uh, I remember having made that decision, feeling really nervous 
about telling anyone else about it, particularly my friends at school, because I knew the ridicule and the rejection would be swift. And so for the first few months, I didn't tell them. I kind of kept it secret. But I knew inside of myself, at some point, it's going to have to come out. And I remember one Friday at school, uh, the guys were talking about what they were going to do that night. And as usual, the plan was we're going to go out and we're going to get drunk. And I thought, this is the moment. I've got to call it. And, and they said, are you coming with? And I said, no. I said, no, I'm not coming with. And you know what, guys? You know why I'm not coming with? I'm not coming with because tonight I'm going to youth. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm going to youth at church. Honestly, you could have knocked them over with a feather. They looked at me like, what are you talking about? They burst out laughing. I think they thought I was joking initially. They said, Why? Like, are you getting all religious on us? I'm like, yep, I am. And uh, I filled them in on what happened. And as, as I feared, you know, the, the ridicule and the rejection was swift. And uh, I lost a lot of friends. They weren't particularly religious and certainly not Christian. Um, and the good news is I found new friends, right? But I know what it is to feel that fear. The fear of what will my friends say? What will my family say? What will my work colleagues say if I go public with my faith in Jesus? Now, I'm, I'm not ashamed of that now. I have no problem acknowledging I'm a Christian. Maybe my vocation helps, right? When you say, tell people you're a pastor, you can't pretend you're not a Christian. Um, so that helps. But I'm not ashamed now to name the name of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of my allegiance to Jesus. I openly speak about it. But maybe you are. Maybe for you, it's a struggle. Maybe you're genuinely worried about what your family members are going to say or what your friends are going to say or what your work colleagues are going to say if you come out and acknowledge that you actually believe in Jesus and that you want to serve Him and follow Him. Maybe you're worried about being labelled a, a religious nut. Maybe you're worried that you're going to be marginalised or ridiculed or you're going to be left out of that promotion or whatever the case may be. I get it. I know how that feels. But I've also come to realize that you will never be able to follow Jesus wholeheartedly if your faith remains a secret. You will never feel like you can follow Him fully and freely if your faith remains a secret. So your faith may be personal, but it can never be private. At some point, it has to come out, right? And you have to acknowledge your allegiance to Jesus and your faith in Him. And I know that can be scary, but the good news is the the Holy Spirit has been given precisely to give us the boldness and the confidence we need to go public with our faith in Jesus. Um, over in the book of Acts, in the early part of Acts, so Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, there's a wonderful story um, about a man you may know or may have heard of uh, by the name of Peter, who was one of the very first followers of Jesus and uh, one of the first disciples. And, and Peter actually had a, a reputation for being afraid, afraid of acknowledging Jesus afraid of being associated with Jesus. In fact, just prior to Jesus' crucifixion, uh, when he was being tried and, and, and prosecuted, uh, Peter was confronted three times about his friendship with Jesus and his allegiance to Jesus, and he denied Jesus three times. He said, I don't know that guy. Don't associate me with him. And of course, felt a whole lot of shame and a whole lot of guilt about it, right? Maybe you felt that, that shame if you've in any way denied or disacknowledged Jesus. And so, so Peter had that battle and that struggle. But here in, in Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4, we meet a very different Peter. On the other side of the cross and the resurrection, we, we, we meet a spirit-empowered Peter. And it's a very different story. And what happens in, in Acts chapter 3 is one day Peter and his friend John, another follower of Jesus, are on their way to the temple and they're going there to pray. And the Bible says as they make their way to the temple, they meet a man at the gate and he's lame from birth. The guy can't walk. And he's begging for money and he asks Peter and John for silver and gold. And so Peter and John say to him, look, silver and gold, we don't have, but what we do have, we can give you. 
And that is in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And they grab him by the hand and they lift him up. And the Bible says strength came into his legs and strength came into his feet. And he stood up and he walked and he danced and he leaped and he praised God. Wow, awesome, right? And uh, as a result, all the Jewish religious leaders were offended. They were upset. It's crazy, but that's what religion does, right? It messes up your values. And, um, and so they said, look, you, you should not be preaching Jesus as Messiah. You should not be preaching the resurrection. They hauled Peter and John before the Jewish religious council. And they said to them, if you carry on preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus and doing the things you're doing, we're gonna beat you and throw you in prison. And so they beat them and they sent them out. And so Peter and John went back to the other disciples, the other Christians and told them what had happened and said, listen, we're being threatened here with with." with persecution and the threat of imprisonment. If we continue to preach in the name of Jesus, what should we do? And so they said, let's pray. It's a good thing to do, right? Let's stay together. Let's pray together. So they did. And listen to what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it empowers you to speak up boldly and confidently for Jesus and to say what He's given you to say. Now, if you've been paying attention for the last few weeks to what we've been saying, and if you've been paying attention to what I'm saying right now, there's probably a question surfacing inside of your heart in relation to this passage we've just read. And that question is probably this. If these followers of Jesus, these disciples, who were there on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and received the Holy Spirit, if they were there and if they received all of the Spirit, not part of the Spirit, why are they being filled with the Holy Spirit again? I mean, if they're all disciples, they're all believers, they were all there, they all got the Spirit, they got all of the Spirit first time around, why are they two chapters later being filled with the Holy Spirit again? If you're asking that question, that is a great question. Honestly, give yourself a pat on the back. You are so insightful. And the answer is, I don't know. (laughs) Like as in, I don't know why God has determined and decided that we can and should be continually filled with the Holy Spirit over and over again if we receive the Spirit in, in full when we first believe. And yet it is clear from Scripture that that is God's desire for our lives that God desires not only that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, but that we continue to be filled by the Holy Spirit regularly and consistently. We see it all through the book of Acts. We even see the Apostle Paul when he writes about it many years later, encouraging us explicitly to expect it and to experience it. Listen to what he says in Ephesians 5 verse 18. He says, don't be drunk with wine. That's a word from God for somebody right now, all right? And let me just clarify that when the Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, that includes all forms of fermented drink. All right, you can't say, yeah, but the Bible doesn't say beer, okay? (laughs) Don't be drunk, right? The Bible says, the Bible does not say do not drink, but it says do not be drunk. In other words, do not be given over to something that robs you of your control, that robs you of your dependency on the Spirit, that destroys your life and your body and your mind and the people you love. It's not good, so don't do it. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. 
the, the original Greek in which the New Testament is written literally means or says be being filled. It's in the continuous present tense. Be continually filled by the Holy Spirit again and again and again. So question, if you are a believer, do you have the Holy Spirit? Yes. Do you have all of the Spirit? Yes. Does God want you to continually be filled by the Spirit? Yes. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be filled by the Holy Spirit? I've heard people try to explain this in times past by saying, well, to be filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you get more of the Spirit. It means God gets more of you. Like God gets every corner of your being and every aspect of your life and nothing's off limits to Him anymore. And I, I, I like the sentiment of that. I get it. But I don't think that's what God means here. I don't think that's what the Bible's talking about here. Because what the Bible is describing here is an experience, a moment that is physical and, and visceral and, and real and actual, right? Not intellectual, not theoretical. Something that happens in your being, in your soul, in your heart, in your body that does something in us and for us, right? That enables us, empowers us to be who God has called us to be. And, uh, you know, you might think, well, is it, what is that? Is it like standing under a waterfall with your mouth open? Is that what it feels like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, probably not the right metaphor, right? Um, it's probably better explained as like a geyser, like a, a, like a, a, a hot spring, bursting up from out of the surface of the ground inside of you, right? It's an inside-out thing, not an outside-in thing. It comes from within. Um, we often talk about people, say, being filled with sorrow, okay? What does it mean to be filled with sorrow? When we say Aaron was filled with sorrow, what do we mean? We're saying, well, Aaron was overcome by the emotion of sorrow and it filled his thoughts and it filled his feelings and it filled his emotions and it, it impacted his decisions and his reactions. Right? Sorrow was the driving force in Aaron's life in that moment. Um, if we say somebody is filled with rage, what do we mean by that? We mean anger was the dominant force in their lives for a moment and it flooded their thoughts and flooded their feelings and, and drove their responses and their reactions, right? And so that's what it's kind of like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It just means in that moment, everything you are as a person, as a being is captivated by the Holy Spirit and all your thoughts and all your feelings and all your attitudes and your actions and your response is, is moved and inspired and motivated by the Holy Spirit who in that moment becomes just that dominant force in your life for that moment. And when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that produces things like boldness and courage and faith and joy and peace and praise. I mean, you just have this overwhelming sense like you wanna open your mouth and just declare the goodness of God and just speak the truth of God. That's why when Paul talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, he says, listen, it, you'll end up singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, right? Because that's what happens when we are filled by the Holy Spirit. And it, it's kind of easier to experience than it is to explain. But when you experience it, it enables you and empowers you to be bold enough to speak out and to speak up for the name of Jesus and say what He is calling you to say. Uh, maybe for you, you know, speaking up for Jesus and being bold about your faith and your acknowledgement in Him is not a challenge. Maybe you're comfortable doing that. But maybe you need boldness to be obedient. Obedient to the promptings and the leanings of the Holy Spirit because God wants to say things and do things through us for the sake of His purpose here on earth, but it requires our cooperation and it requires our obedience. And I don't know about you, but I, I depend heavily on the Holy Spirit for boldness when it comes to obedience stepping out in faith and doing what He tells us to do. Because sometimes what He asks us to do 
is kind of low risk and fairly easy. And sometimes it's high risk and requires a whole lot of courage, right? Like, uh, you know, just the other day, last Sunday, in fact, when we were gathered here at Burswood, uh, we had a coffee van come in because our cafe wasn't open. And uh, I decided I'd go out and have a coffee. And so I, I uh, put my coffee order in and I had a bit of a conversation with a guy who was making the coffee and found out about his kids and how long he's been running the business and his name and what have you. And while I'm standing there waiting for my coffee, the Holy Spirit speaks in my heart as clear as a bell and says, give him all the money in your wallet. I'm like, okay. It wasn't a lot of money. It was only about $40. But I said, okay. So when I paid for the coffee, I gave him all the money in my wallet. And of course he was like, oh, thank you. That's great. I'm like, yeah, no worries. Pleasure. Now what was going on there? I, I don't know. What was that moment for him? What was God trying to communicate? What was God trying to do in that moment for him? To be honest with you, I don't know. I can guarantee you it's not about the money because $40 isn't going to change anybody's life. But God was wanting to do something for him and in him and required a simple act of obedience. Now, I'm not telling you that so I can get a naughty bet. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't care if you know that or don't know that about that moment. But what I am trying to tell you is that God wants to do that through you and He wants to do that through me all the time. He wants to communicate love and comfort and care and, and generosity to the people of the world. And He wants to do it through you and He wants to do it through me. But it takes our obedience. And sometimes our obedience is low risk and easy, like handing over all the money in your wallet. And sometimes it takes a lot of courage. Uh, a couple of months ago, just before the whole COVID thing hit, I was sitting in, um, in uh, Health Freak Cafe in Joonglup, Lakeside, and uh, waiting for an appointment. I was due to meet somebody there. And uh, while I'm sitting waiting, I saw a lady just a few tables away, an elderly lady, sitting by herself, uh, minding her own business. And I felt the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart and just say, go up to her, introduce yourself, and just offer to pray for anything that she might want to pray for. It takes a little bit more courage, right? There's a bit of a higher risk there, right? So I said, all right, I really felt strongly that was what God was saying. So I walked across, said, hi, my name's Tim. I'm a pastor here in the city in the church. And I just felt like I needed to come over and say hi and offer to pray for you for anything, if there's anything I can pray for. She was like, oh, oh, okay. Like I'm a bit taken aback, okay? Um, but she said, sure, you, you can pray. She said, I've actually recently lost my husband. And she began to tear up. And I said, I'm sorry to hear that. I think, I think God... Honestly, just wants to communicate His love and care for you and I'd love to just pray for you. So we prayed together and I just prayed God, God's comfort over her life. And then uh, we finished up. I said, uh, hey, I just think God loves you and He just wants you to know He sees you and cares about you. And she was very grateful and appreciative. And so I got up and I walked back to my table and she got up and left. And I think she probably thought this is the Jesus Free Cafe, right? Not the Hell Free Cafe. Um, but but I, there was a moment there, right? God was communicating something, wanting to impart something to her. I don't fully understand why and what He did, but I don't have to. I just need to trust and obey. Um, and so occasionally God will require us to do things that, that require courage and boldness. And there are other occasions where God prompts me to say and do things that are just downright terrifying. And so I depend on the Holy Spirit for courage and boldness. So when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to be bold. And that is not only confident about our acknowledgement of Jesus, but courageous in our obedience to Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. The second thing that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be is effective. The Holy Spirit wants to empower us to be effective. And how many of you know it's possible to be active without being effective? You can be busy doing a lot of things, but not achieving the results that matter. And very often the difference between being active and being effective is adequate power. 
Um, and if you don't believe me, just try this. Next time you have to mow your lawn, go out into the garden and before you turn your lawnmower on or plug it in or fire it up, just push it around the lawn for 10 minutes. Right? You'll very quickly realize that you, you, you can be active without being effective. And very often the difference is adequate power. And so the reason why God has poured His Holy Spirit in us and on us is so that we can be not just active in our purpose, but effective in our purpose. You see, power without purpose is dangerous, but purpose without power is pointless. Now, what is the point of having clarity around your purpose, the purpose that God has for your life, if you don't access the power to fulfill that purpose? Uh, One of my favourite statements about Jesus is found in Acts 10 verse 38, and it says this, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. How many of you know our world needs some goodness right now? The goodness of God. Our world is enslaved, right? Harassed, oppressed, trapped by the power of the enemy. Our world is is subject, right, to the corrupt powers and the rulers of this age. There are people who are trapped and imprisoned by their own selfishness and their own sinfulness. Our world needs hope. It needs healing. It needs liberation. It needs salvation. It needs goodness. And the Bible says that Jesus came precisely to bring that goodness and to liberate people. And He came in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit to do so, right? Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world. I've come to save the world. I've come so that human beings can know freedom and so that human beings can flourish. And then Jesus turned around to His disciples and He says, all right, I'm leaving now. I'm going back to the Father, but I'm gonna give you my Holy Spirit. And as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. So you go now and you do good and you liberate the oppressed. You be the hope, you be the help, you be the healing. You bring the salvation, you bring the liberation. I'm giving you my spirit, I'm giving you my power, I'm giving you the ability, so go. And that is what the empowerment of the Holy Spirit does. Enables us to be more than we could ever be naturally, more than we could ever be on our own. Uh, The empowerment of the Holy Spirit kind of takes God's super and adds it to our natural and enables us to be more than just active in our purpose, but to be effective in our purpose. And the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter whether you are a teacher, a doctor, a nurse, a lawyer, a uni student, a pastor, we all have the same purpose. And that is to do good and to liberate the oppressed. Wherever God has planted you, wherever He has positioned you, you are there to do good, to flood the world with the goodness of God, and to bring hope, help, and healing to the oppressed in Jesus' name. And the Holy Spirit is in us and with us to enable us to do that effectively. Um, I love the way Paul the Apostle spoke about this concerning his own calling. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4 to 5. Listen to this. He says, I didn't preach my message with clever and compelling words. He said, as I preached, the Holy Spirit showed His power. That was so that you would believe not because of human wisdom, but because of God's power. In other words, Paul's saying, listen, I I was active in preaching to you, but the only reason I was effective was because of the power of the Holy Spirit, right? My preaching, he said, wasn't effective because of my vocabulary or my persuasion or because of my articulation or my elocution or my vocabulary. He said, I was effective because the Holy Spirit worked through what I shared with you. Right? And so whatever your vocation is in life, whatever your ministry is, it can and should be Spirit-enabled, Spirit-empowered so that we can be effective in Jesus' Name. Amen. And then thirdly and finally, God is sending us into the world 
and empowering us by His Holy Spirit to be attractive, to be attractive. God wants us to be bold. He wants us to be effective and He wants us to be attractive. Um, In the same way that it is possible to be active but not effective, it is possible to be effective but not attractive. You can be successful. You can achieve a whole lot of results and just not be a very nice person. And God wants us to be attractive. By that I mean like Jesus, right? Likeable, humble, gentle, kind, compassionate, generous, patient, just, fair, just fun to be around, right? Andy Stanley, who's a great preacher, church leader, author, has a saying that I really appreciate. And he says, those who weren't like Jesus liked Jesus, right? Those who weren't like Jesus liked Jesus. Now, of course, there were a lot of people who didn't like Jesus, but they were generally religious and political rulers who were more bent on preserving their power and their status and their control over other people. So if you are an egotistical, power-hungry, control freak, uh, then you are probably not going to like Jesus very much, right? Because he's going to get all up in your face about your control over other people and your need to exploit people, right? But if you're an ordinary person, if you find yourself on the margins, if you're a prostitute, a tax collector, a sinner, a publican, if you're one of those people that the religious establishment shuns and overlooks, you're going to love Jesus. You're going to like Him a lot. And so so God wants us to be like Jesus. He wants us to be attractive. And, And being filled with the Holy Spirit actually just makes you a nicer person to be around. I love what Paul says about this in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. He says, so I say, Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature, meaning your your old self, that old identity that you had before you met Jesus and came into relationship with God, wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Boy, we all know that struggle well. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your old self, your old identity before you knew and met God, when you give into those desires, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against these things, there's no law. Really what Paul is saying here is, hey, there's, there's, a, there's an old you, an identity you used to have a kind of broken you, the you you were before you met Jesus, before you came into a relationship with God. And that that you is still very much there, right? And there are desires fueled by that old you that will drive your life if you give into them, into self-destruction. But there's another you. (laughs) There's the new you. There's the identity that you found when you came to faith in Jesus, when you came into a relationship with God. And the desires that are generated by that new you are desires that lead to life. And when you give in to those desires and you cooperate with those desires, you experience the life of God 
and you get to be the best version of you you can possibly be. And this is the wonderful thing about following Jesus and about being empowered by His Spirit. You get to discover your best self and your true self. You see, I I think we make the mistake of assuming sometimes that people want to be a part of something that makes a difference in the world. But I think that's only partly true. I think people want to be a part of something that makes a difference in the world, but also makes a difference in them. I think people want to be a part of something that makes them better people. I think people do want to be better dads and better wives and better mothers and better fathers. I think people do want to be more generous. They want to be more selfless. They want to be more kind. People want to be the best version of them they possibly can be. And the great thing about meeting Jesus, coming in a relationship with God, being filled and empowered by His Holy Spirit, is you find your best life and you find your true life in Him. And as you live out of that new identity, you become attractive. I'll finish with this thought. Um, you know, many of you would be aware that uh, these last couple of weeks have been really uh, difficult for me and for my family because last week, Wednesday, my father passed away and uh, he had a very brief um, but very brutal battle with, with cancer. Uh, in February of this year, he was diagnosed with um, an inoperable uh, bowel tumour and uh, his suffering was pretty severe, um, but fortunately, it was brief and uh, last week, he went home to be with the Lord. Uh, He had a wonderful faith in Jesus and uh, as his family, we're just so relieved to know that the suffering has ended and that he is absent from the body, present with the Lord, safe and sound uh, in the arms of our Lord and our Saviour. And that is a great relief and a great comfort to us. But uh, we had his memorial service on Saturday. And of course, we couldn't be there because he lives in Johannesburg. We live here in Perth. So we had to live stream in like you're doing right now and uh, join the celebration of his life that way which we're thankful for. And so I recorded a little tribute video and sent it through so they could play it at the memorial. And on this video, amongst other things, um, I said, you know what? I, um, as much as I loved my dad, and I really did, I really liked him. Like I really liked the man that he was. I really liked the way he lived his life. Um, my dad was one of the most patient, uh, generous selfless people I ever knew. And everyone in his world who was close to him and who knew him best would say that of him. He was a great guy to be around. Um, He wasn't rich. He wasn't famous. Uh, He had no aspiration to change the world. Um, He was humble. He was simple. But he was the kindest, most generous soul I know. He was so good to my mother He was so good to us as his kids. Uh, He was faithful. He never neglected us. He never abused us. Uh, He never overlooked us or undervalued us. And uh, he was so deeply appreciated by all those in his world. In fact, he, you know, he worked until he was 74 years of age, retired when he was in his mid-60s, but they just kept rehiring him, just kept bringing him back for 10 years, right? Because he was just such a great guy to have on the team, such a brilliant work ethic and so appreciated by so many. And uh, I look at my dad and I think, you know what? I know why he was like that. It's because he had a faith in Jesus, because he had a new identity in Jesus, because he lived a life empowered by the Holy Spirit and he became the kind of man other people wanted to be around. I want to be a person like that. And I'm sure you do too. So friends, the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit is given so that you and I can go and be, so that we can be bold for Jesus so that we can be effective 
in our God-given purpose and so that we can be attractive in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, how about you bow your heads, close your eyes with me. We're going to take a moment to pray. And uh, as you do that, our worship team are going to just move into position and get ready to lead us in a song of worship. And I want to encourage you as you are listening, wherever you are right now, to just stay fully engaged and fully present in this moment because I want to pray for you and I want to pray for me and for our team here. And just pray simply that God would fill you with His Holy Spirit. Maybe right now in this moment as we pray or maybe as we begin to worship together, I'm just praying that God would flood and fill your soul with life, that you would experience His courage, His boldness, His joy, His peace, whatever the case may be. So Father, we thank You right now in this moment that You are present with each and every one of us. We thank You, mighty God, that You are for us. And we thank You, Lord, for the new reality uh, that we find in You, for a new identity in Jesus through His love for us and through His salvation award us. And I pray for every single one of us right now, Father, as we just open our hearts in this moment, as we just lean into You, as we just invite You by Your Holy Spirit in us to come and fill us and flood us. I pray for every single one of us that You, God, would impart fresh measures of grace, of strength, of courage, of life, of peace, of joy, of whatever it is we need right now in this moment. God, as we lift up our hearts, as we lift up our voices, as we sing, these words of worship as we make them our prayer and our supplication. I pray, God, would you come and inhabit this moment, fill this moment and fill us by your Holy Spirit to the honour and glory of your name. And in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at podcast at riverviewchurch.com. And if you want any information about Riverview Church, you can find that at riverviewchurch.com.